What's going on, Skytown? Welcome to another edition of the Skyhook Podcast. My name is James K. With me on the mic, as always, is your co-host, Christopher J. Pennant. Christopher, let's do that whole thing at that podcast do at the top where they pretend they didn't talk. Um, how are you doing today? Like, uh, I don't know the answer to this. How are you doing? It's uh, <laughs> glad that we're getting together to do this. <laughs> pretty, pretty good. Um, it's still smoky out here in Chicago. It, it's supposed Oof. to be lessening. We're supposed to get some rain, but otherwise, doing all right. How about yourself, man? Doing good. I'm hoping everyone is safe out there as uh, we still navigate this whole thing with the air quality. I know that it's impacted me a lot for someone who's weak lungs, but uh. Chris, it's been a couple of weeks since we've jumped on the mic to talk about the sky. And a lot has happened since then. They went on a six game losing streak where they were outscored by 83 points throughout those six games. But they did have a convincing win last night, or I should say yesterday morning, where on camp day, they were able to kind of rediscover what made them successful early on this season. And they beat the Sparks. 80 to 63. And it did seem like things were trending in the right direction for them that game after, again, it was just, let's just be blunt here. I mean, things looked really bad for this team. They had a negative 17.7 net rating in that six game losing streak. And this team with their aspirations to make the playoffs, they really needed to get things going again. Chris, what did you like about what you saw from the sky yesterday and what they were able to do to correct some of the mistakes they were making during that six game losing streak. Well, the last game that I had a chance to really see uh, just by the circumstances was the game that they lost against the sparks on the road where they had that really bad fourth quarter um, where a really bad second, like last five minutes of the fourth quarter where nothing was falling. Um, Dana Evans in particular had a bad shooting night but it felt like they were one step away, one shot away from closing things down. And instead LA went on a pretty comfortable run to close the game out. And the sky ended up losing that one, I think by either, either nine or double digits. And then it just felt like the bottom fell out. I don't know if that, I don't know if that game took some of the air out. I don't know if that loss against at home against Indiana took some of the air out, but they were getting beaten in a variety of ways. And that's when you look back and think, well, how good is this team? Because they were losing close games. They were losing blowouts and nothing was really working. I know we, we talked off the air and uh, in addition to your article for the next, you were just saying it's like the offense looked really out of sync yesterday. It looked like individuals were making good decisions within their offensive sets that led to positive uh, possessions on the offensive end of the floor. And that really didn't come until the second half because they got off to a pretty rough start. James Wade called an early timeout. And you saw, as 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 it's been, the bench had a, a greater impact, at least at the beginning of the game, near the beginning of the game, than the starters did. Courtney Williams got off to a good start shooting. That helped things. Um, and I thought that she was still controlling the offense. And then defensively, they were really able to disrupt Los Angeles' momentum. They got two stops early. Uh, De'Eric Hamby didn't have a great impact. Uh, Neka Gumwake and Carly Samuelson uh, were not really factors in the third quarter. And when they came in in the second quarter, Carly Samuelson didn't uh, hit another shot until the fourth. And it wasn't a complete effort. Uh, Alana Smith didn't shoot as well as we've seen. But 
we saw them, I think, in the third quarter where they really stretched the lead out, get good touches in high uh, percentage spots of the floor, and jump shots are falling. That's been the modus operandi of success for the sky this year for Courtney Williams, for Kalia Copper in particular. If the jump shots are falling, they're going to have better success. Yeah, and even then, it still felt like this this team can do better in hitting some of those jumpers. I just... The thing that stood out to me yesterday compared to the past six games, quite honestly, was that they were able to generate looks in a variety of ways rather than just kind of going through the motions within their offense a little bit. Because a part of me just watching them compared to last year a little bit is just it's a lot of going east to west, swinging the ball to the corner in an empty corner set, and they just kind of figure things out after that. And I think teams started to kind of catch up over those last six games before yesterday where they would pre-rotate and again, not give the ball handler a clean look to find someone in space. And I thought it was just kind of interesting just to see how like, again, like the variety of ways in which the sky were able to generate open looks and even simple things where the off ball movement unlocks this entire offense, the secondary playmaking unlocks this offense in a way that again, when it, when it goes away, this guy just take a lot of quick shots leads to turnovers and points on the other end for the other team. I mean, that's something that we've seen a lot from, I think they were ninth in opponents taking turn like sky turnovers and translating them into points and uh, looking at the different ways in which they were able to find open looks like something simple, like Marina Mabry in the third quarter, they posted her up. They had her like, she was had her back to the basket and Courtney Williams just simply flashed into open space and made an easy layup. Like even simple things like that, where instead of the sky, just they make like the first action doesn't work and they just give up on the play and they just goes into a quick, a quick shot that isn't the most, I don't know that you just want to see the ball move a little bit more. And, uh, and they didn't seem as deflated after dealing with that early game adversity, like they had in previous games. Like to me, they need to build off of this. That there's still things they got to figure out. The free throws aren't going down. Like they're, I think they're last in the league. Yesterday they were, they shot. They were, I think, making 74 percent of their free throws. And when they're not getting a ton, like again, they're lowest in the league in terms of free throw attempts per game. They got to figure that out. But to me, it still felt like a step in the right direction. Definitely. Like I said, um, there are. There are things that we know that this team is capable of doing. We saw it early on in the season, where especially if Courtney Williams has the ball, and if they do things right when they have her on the floor, um, when they have Courtney, Ka, Marina, and Dana on the floor, if everybody's playing their part and the ball doesn't stick too long, then good things happen. It's, you know, not every team is suited for a motion offense, but it would really help this guy to be able to figure out, okay, we're going to move in motion, get somebody a spot in a good area, spread the scoring out, which they did yesterday for the most part. I know Courtney Williams had 21 points, but in that first quarter, the scoring was spread out fairly evenly and the sky were up one to close the quarter out, as well as you know, get players into a spot where they can make some things happen. I was talking about it with you and with Steven Garner uh, during the game and after the game. There were a lot of sets where we saw Ka go to the corner uh, as the ball was coming up and, you know, just get her 
to the ball either off an Iverson cut or just have the player on the wing screen for it to get the ball up top. Uh, if, what I saw Los Angeles especially do a lot of was try to trap the ball at the wing and get the ball out of her hands. But even if you have somebody double, we've seen Kalia Copper be able to pass out of double teams. And if it comes late, just simply split them. So you've got to keep her engaged and moving in the action and keep her in the flow of the offense in order to have success. As well as Marina Mabry, which she did twice yesterday, hit the roller off of a screen and roll. And that led to, I think, a couple of good, good looks for Alana Smith, one of which I remember she put down. Uh, I put that on Twitter a couple times, like my kingdom for Marina to hit the roller on the pick and roll instead of just holding the ball and trying to go one-on-one. And we saw that at least uh, two or three times last night, which will pay dividends, I think. I, I can't look into Marina's mind and say, this is what she's thinking. But I know she's a scorer by trade and scorers want to put the ball in the basket. I just want to have her fought, pick her spots because we saw her make those passes. So I want her to be able to make those passes consistently. Absolutely. And one thing that I talked with her about last week was how she is emphasizing getting to the rim more, providing that rim pressure. And we've already seen statistically she's getting to the line much more this year than she had in years past. And I think if she's able, I think she is like finding that balance between, hey, no one can stop me. Like that's what she said. Like no one can stay in front of me. And you, when you have that mentality, and by the way, like this guy have needed her to be that spark plug for them this year when things go awry and she's done great at filling that role. But also we want to see her build off of the playmaking that she had towards the end of last year with Dallas, where she statistically was providing Dallas open looks um, from beyond the arc and at the rim. And I look at Marina I do think that if like you're right, I mean, her building off of those skills and it, she missed like one like ghost screen, like with Alana in one of those, I think, I think it was an empty corner set, but, but then she started, like you saw the, the ball movement just being emphasized and you could, that could became infectious across the rest of the team. Like Courtney Williams only had two assists yesterday. And even though she's someone that I think is top five in assists per game. Um, and I think she's top five also in assists, like assist points created. So when this offense has just a little bit more balanced playmaking wise, like like up and down the roster, like you see them put up 80 points, despite again, missing like nine, 10 free throws, the potential of this offense, I think is still there. And we are at this point where like, this is the 15 game mark. They do have to stop. We got to stop talking about potential and just see this happen consistently. But Again, just based on where it was the other day, man, like where this offense was, things felt bleak, man. Even James Wade said after the game, it's like, I'm not even going to watch that shit at home after the game because it's like, (laughs) I don't blame them. It was just bad. They weren't playing for each other in a way that yesterday they, they were. You could see how when they're just making that extra pass, just how much the offense is able to open up a little bit more. Um. What else stood out, like, stood out to you over the last few games? I mean, I know that you wanted to talk a little bit about Ka. Um, I don't know about you, Chris. She seemed a little bit frustrated yesterday. Is that something? I mean, what what did you make of that? Is that did you sense that a little bit too? Just watching, you know, yesterday go down against the Sparks. I think she had a foul on Jordan Canada on a drive where she got picked off and was just you know late by circumstance, and she 
through an axe handle on Jordan's arm. And it was, I was, I remember being surprised. And Steven specifically said with the angle that Jordan was taking to the basket and where she had to put the ball up from, he said, you have to make her make that shot. Cause it would have been a pretty tough layup. Like we know Jordan Canada is really good at the rim, but he was right. It would have been a very difficult shot. And that, if anything, seemed like a frustration foul because it was a play that she didn't necessarily have to try and make. She could have just gone with it and, and let it go, just try and stay high and, and see even if you, in that place, if you get a block, I think um, she, she didn't have a particularly great shooting night, uh, but she got to the line six times. So it's really just kind of, kind of accept what is you know accepting and figuring out what is coming like i said i think that there's ways for to, to i think there's ways to get her more involved on the offensive end in a better way and i don't think it's necessarily chemistry all throughout the team at all mm-hmm. i think that she and courtney williams have a good vibe on the floor i think that even she and dana have a pretty good vibe on the floor it's just making sure that the ball gets around where it should get around and sometimes that, sometimes it, it comes from when Marina's bringing the ball up, and you don't want to see her get tunnel vision. That I think that's it specifically. Sometimes figuring out how to get your shooting guards and combo guard working together, because as as good as Courtney is at, distrib- at distributing the ball and making passes and court vision, and even as good as Dana is, we know how good it, it, we know how good Dana is about making those passes. There's a lot of scoring guards in the sky backcourt. There is not a Courtney Vandersloot that's a pass first. Uh, There's not a going back. I was just watching a secret base video. There's not a Teresa Weatherspoon that is trying to like get people involved off the bat and wants to shoot at the very last possible option. And that, that can make things a bit difficult when you're trying to get all those people, the ball to work in ways that they're extremely comfortable in. So Finding that chemistry, and if Marina herself is is not you know, talked about it implicitly, finding that chemistry and getting everybody locked in together, as well as the mindset, which I think they all do have, is just making it stick on the court. I'm going to ask you another quick question here because it was suggested in the pregame, and I did not necessarily. And I'm not going to tell you what my opinion is of it. It was suggest like I think James Wade was asked about, and Dana was too, just about how as the team is go as going through a rough patch before they won yesterday, again, six game skid outscored by 83 points in those six games, just suggesting that Courtney Williams, who from a scoring perspective, I guess was struggling to score the ball over the, over the last few games that she'd be taken out of the starting lineup. And maybe we see Dana in that facilitator role. Um, do you, do you think that would be something that would, spark the sky's offense or and in, in that way maybe that's the way that you get Kalia Copper more touches um I guess but like what did you think like do you think Courtney Williams is someone that is fit for this lead facilitator role because I I think she is personally I think there's a lot of things that point to her being that person and I think the offense personally has a lot more problems at least they it, it had a lot more problems throughout the rest, like throughout the lineups that we were seeing, then it was one player personally, but do you think Courtney is someone that can be that lead facilitator to maybe open up Ka as, yeah, as a scorer that we can, like we've seen her be in the past? I still think so. 
I think you have to find some off-ball uh, movement for Cop early, the same way that Courtney has been able to find uh, Alana Smith so well in this offense. Um, whether it's getting Cobb the shot in the corner off of a baseline drive and drawing the defense, which she's proven adept at hitting. I think her I think her three-point shooting is is back above 40% after last night. Um, or whether it's just you know movement off the ball to get her the ball in space. Sky have shown that with a number of players, they can get the ball up top, have movement away, screens away, and find a free run to the rim. Because first and foremost, you cannot succeed in this team with Kalia Copper shooting below 50% at the rim, shooting below 40% at the rim. It's just, un- it's unconscionable. The way that sh- we have seen her finish, the way that we know how she can finish, and with her pure athleticism, you absolutely have to have Kalia Copper shooting 60% at the rim. And some of that is predicated on getting good touches there. You know, that will lead to more free throw attempts. Whether her free throw shooting... um returns to form or not it will lead to more free throw attempts slowing the game down but i think if you get movement away from the ball getting Kalia copper involved that way i think that it can definitely work with courtney wins we again we've seen the way she can pass i think that there might be some success but the one thing that los angeles showed tonight is if you try to kick the ball back out off of drives they and other teams have players in the middle who will hunt that action and either steal the pass or just disrupt it outright. So I think in that way, you have better work with Courtney than with Dana, just on the height differential. This is not taking anything away from Dana's vision or her ability to pass. I think that even Courtney Williams had passed a strip like that. So they have to be able to get away from that kind of bailout. Oh, I can see that I'm drawing two or three defenders. I'm going to kick the ball back to the person I know that's open, but it's going to be through a lot of traffic. But I think it can definitely work with Courtney and Kyle on the floor at the start of the game. I'm with you, and I get the idea of wanting to make an adjustment when the energy is low at the start of games. And I would love to see, and I don't have a database that can provide this information, but I would love to see a database where how long the sky trail in games versus how much they're up in games, and even specifically in wins, how much are they up during those games versus when they're down? Because it seems like it's a lot of, crawling back into games and um when i look at courtney williams who again i get that she's not scoring in the same way necessarily that she has in the past because it's a different role she is the lead guard in this team if you want to look at it from a traditional sense and uh i'm kind of with you i just think there's more that needs to happen like again like what they did yesterday just more off ball movement when things are fixed off the ball, that makes things easier for Courtney to navigate the rest of the offense. And even like the leadership that Courtney provides on the court as a facilitator and able to direct the offense, like she can't maybe necessarily direct everyone like in what they're doing off the ball, because it's like, there's only so much you can do as one player on the court, but like, there's certain things that I would like to keep. Like if I was a sky fan, I would like to see this guy keep working off the ball and just let Courtney open this offense up a little bit because we've seen it work again. She's got 187 assist points created this year, which is good for fifth in the league. That's a player you want to continue to create for you. And she's obviously going to have her nights where she scores, but she doesn't need to score 21 a night for this team to win. It's just, it needs to be looked better all around. And 
if you take her out of the starting lineup, you're admitting that things aren't working. And we're 15 games in. And I think that it looks bad if that if the things continue to not work, if the same bad tendencies that you have off the ball continue, you just mess with the team dynamic there a little bit instead of being able to work through things with a group that has their starting lineup has played more together than most teams have with their starting groups. It's like I'd rather figure it out things that way than just shake things up just to shake things up. That's interesting because it's it's you're looking at um you know how much time do you have in the season to really get it right and figure it out and we're talking about a 40 game season where you only have so much time even as we were talking yesterday like it seems like it's been such a long time since the start of the year it's only been about 2 months and the sky are 6 and 9 so they have some time but not necessarily you know not necessarily even another month to get it right. If they tread water, they're still three games under 500 and near the bottom of the standings in terms of playoff seedings. But I do agree with you. I think that just kicking it to, okay, we're going to shake the starting lineup is kind of admitting that things are more out of, out of reach than you thought. Um, And I do think that, again, I, I think that this works with Courtney Williams. I really do. I know that there was, the issue in Connecticut, and even when I talked to Steven, he thought that they needed more of a pass-first point guard in that role. But I think that she fulfills that. I really do. And that's not hanging him out to dry at all. I I understand what he's saying. But I think that she fills that role. It's just having everybody not, not buy in, so to speak, but the off-ball movement. Like when the sky do move the ball, even when they swing it, a lot of times – People are catching it and moving in some static positions. And it's when you move, when you throw the ball away, move into a different spot, screening, getting, getting somebody going downhill towards the basket, making the defense commit so that they can't just head. Like Courtney said in the, pre- the post game yesterday, all they did was hedge. He said, he's like, it wasn't anything <laughs> about, it wasn't anything about knowing the old system that Court Mill- Kurt Miller ran when she was still in Connecticut. They were just hedging everything, she said. So if we, once they found out, figured out it was a hedging, it was just about beating the hedge. And whether that's running around the hedge, whether that's splitting the defense, or whether it's bringing the ball back to the strong side and making the – or even just, you know, utilizing what Indiana used against them, making them have to recover to the person that's rolling to the basket, and then that person has to make a decision of who they're going to cover. There's so many different ways to attack these defenses that the sky are seeing. And a lot of it, we know with Washington, they're going to hedge high and hard with their bigs and make the sky have to run around and not just chase, uh, not just have the roller chase. So that being said, I think it works with Courtney Williams. But I also said at the end of the game, you have Dana on as the primary facilitator because in the fourth quarter is when you want Courtney to be able to get either open jump shots or be your shot clock bailout. Same can be said for Ka. That's what you have to get Ka right, I think, going early so that in those moments, everybody's been fed. The first three quarters were for everybody to get the man course, the salad, the bread, the, <laughs> the pasta, the meatballs, all that. Fourth quarter is dessert, whether it's a close game or whether it's a game that you're just trying to salt away. Fourth quarter's dessert, so you can have those three players and Dana on the floor 
And everybody's just like, you know, if I get a bucket here, if I get two buckets here, that's just, that's dessert. That's the pie. That's the, that's the digestives. You know what I'm saying? You have to get it right early so you can just have everybody just not be cool late. They'd be cool after that. I love that for one thing. And <laughs> I'm with you. And by the way, statistically, the Sky do have a slightly better offensive rating with Courtney Williams on the floor than they do with Dana on the floor. And like, um, I mean, again, we're talking about like the slightest of difference. I just think mentally and like trying to figure out like what the pulse of the team is, that is a dramatic change to make 15 games in after it worked in the first eight games of the, of the year to make that, that make that change. And I understand the impulse of wanting to make a change. It just seems even though we're, close to getting to the 50% mark of the season, it still just seems a little premature. And obviously the sky haven't figured everything out. Like again, they have to move forward with what they did yesterday, but replicating that night to night requires wanting to do the, like the dirty work. And that's probably like the riskiest part of like this guy's mentality throughout this entire season. It's like, okay, if you don't, ha- if you're not bringing that energy night to night, then you go through those spells like they did over the last the six games before, you know they played the Sparks. So, Chris, there's been a lot of talk too about the WNBA All Star Game this year. Who should be in? Who should be out? And we, I can't believe as is the case. Point. There's it's always kind of, an argument. Always an argument. We just we have to take it personally. Um, it is objective. It's not subjective. Person to person. Um, it's, it is crazy, but we do have our starters for the WNBA all-star game this year in the, in the backcourt. We have Jackie Young, Jewel Lloyd, Arike Gumbawale, Chelsea Gray. And then we have in the front court, Asia Wilson, Brianna Stewart, Brittany Griner, Satu Sabali, the rookie out of South Carolina, Aliyah Boston got the starting nod and Neka Agwumake, who has looked tremendous this season too. Um, even yesterday, I know she had, you know, Elizabeth Williams kind of shut her down a little bit. Same thing, Atlanta Smith too, but like NECA had some really fun moments yesterday. Um, Chris, let me just, I'm curious about where you're at. Like, obviously the biggest topic is going to be how the fuck, how the fuck did Alyssa Thomas not make it into the starting lineups for this exhibition game and everything? I try to keep things in perspective a little bit, but <laughs> knowing that this is for the fans and if the fans for some reason don't enjoy watching Alyssa Thomas put up triple-double after triple-double, that's their prerogative. Um, Chris, I'm curious about what you think of these two lineups and if there's anyone that should be in there outside of just Alyssa Thomas. Alicia Gray's having a really, really good season, but yeah. I don't think that she tops any of those four guards. It's funny for me to say Chelsea Gray is finally getting recognized because it's not that. It's just like she's been so consistent yeah. and so breathtaking to watch for a long time that it's like, oh, there's more eyes now. And even then, she was fifth in fan voting behind Kelsey Plum, behind Arike, behind Jewel, behind Jackie. But uh, Jackie Young is finally putting it together the way people wanted. So it makes sense that she would be number one in that fan vote and number one in the media vote because I think it's there's 
there's a level of finally you're doing what we wanted you to i think in the, in the from the media side it's, it's like we're we've been waiting we've been waiting since you came out of college we've been waiting and now it's just all there uh, so i i don't think that there's anybody on the guards that i would switch out the funny mm-hmm. thing is even as Alyssa thomas is having an mvp campaign i don't switch her out for alia I don't switch her out for Satu. I definitely don't switch her out for BG because it's not just the nostalgia of thank God you're back, rub. BG's killing it. BG and Shook Sutton are like the two bright spots on a Phoenix club that is woeful to say the least. Jesus. A- Asia's doing Asia things. Brianna Stewart's been accept- exceptionally consistent in, in a Brianna Stewart level for New York. And then, like you said, NECA's having a really fun season for a Sparks club that's turned it around from their last two years at least starting to, that might be the only person that I would sub Alyssa Thomas in for. Um, a lot of her game, I, this is what I remember somebody saying about Jimmy Butler okay, when he got voted to his first All-Star game. What you look for in an ASG, Alyssa Thomas's game doesn't always translate to that, except for the assists. Now, do I love, I love defense, and as I have said many times, Really love watching Alyssa Thomas. Just hate when to see my team player because she's annoying to deal with, bro. It, it's annoying to play against a, a brick shit house. Like, you know, it's very annoying to play against that person, especially if that person can pass and get steals and run your offense without having a solid jump shot outside of 15 feet. It's annoying. It's but when you get MVP talk, this early in the season and when Connecticut's having the season they have, they're having and Bree Jones is hurt. Somebody for that team should start. So you have a surplus still of quality front court players that just, you know, get the nod over her. And I think neck is the only one that I would shift. I'm with you on that. So this, this Connecticut sun or 12, and four, right? They're a dominant team this year. Like clearly, honestly, a contender. I think even with without Brianna Jones, there's enough there to make a playoff run. Without Alyssa Thomas on the floor in 53 minutes, all right, they've played without her for 53 minutes with Alyssa Thomas off the floor. Pretty minimal. What do you think their net rating is without her on the floor? Um, can I get like a a range of a, of a range of points like sure zero to ten and minus zero to ten and minus twenty or or plus twenty? It's so it's negative. Um, okay, it, it's I'll it's, just say but below it's like minus seven. It is minus nine point three, and with her on the floor, it is plus I think it's eight point six. I want to say. It is, so, let me just swap these out real quick. It is 17.9. It is 8.5 with her on the floor. That is so dramatic. That is clear impact, man. When you lose a player like Alyssa Thomas, when she's off the floor and you see what she does on it. And it's even like from the raw stats, from even all these advanced stats that I like to use, like positive residuals, one of my favorite databases has clearly has her as the number one player that's that contributes to winning the most in their war stat. Like what wins above replacement stat. I love what NECA has done. She's an MVP candidate. 
Um, she definitely can solidify herself depending on where the sparks end up finishing. I think she just has to be the odd person out for being an all-star starter just because of what Alyssa Thomas has done on both ends of the floor. And and I love NECA. I think she's been, honestly, what she did last year with the, the amount of attention she got on the offensive end, it blows my mind with LA's lack of spacing that she was, what she was able to do. Like it, it shouldn't, it shouldn't have happened. Chris, the offensive production that she had, I still think that Alyssa Thomas deserves the starting nod. And I try not to get too like emotional of when I see all these things, you know, like this is about the fans. This is all about, this is a lighthearted exhibition that doesn't mean anything. And I think, Honestly, more than anything, the media, I'm not trying to criticize the media, but like the way that we talk about all-star selections and how we weigh it, we talk about players' careers after they're over, we just should not care about all-star selections, especially in the W, when you look at how these uh, overseas competitions like the Olympics will just, there won't be an all-star game that year because people will be up competing overseas and when you see someone's like a only like a four-time all-star it's like actually kind of deceiving because there actually would have been an all-star of the year when there was an olympic year that again thwarted the all-star game so like i get wanting to see neca in, in the starting lineup and everything she's really fun to watch um she had an, many holy fuck moments yesterday of like some of those turnaround jumpers <laughs> um just like the control like everything just seems so slow to her that's fun to watch live. And I get Alyssa Thomas and her rigid defense. Um, and again, that, that shot that does, that looks like how, like how is someone out there with two torn labrums shooting? By the way, did you know that Alyssa Thomas has two torn labrums? Is that, have you heard of that before? No. Never heard that. <laughs> never been talked about on the TV um, broadcast ever. Never even talked about that. She, um, that she switched shooting hands. That's never been discussed either. We don't know anything about Alyssa Thomas. That's why she didn't get a start. We She just came down this year, and we don't have any information on her. She's just been killing it, and everybody's like, well, she should definitely be an all-star, but we don't know enough about her for her to start. So that's what happened. I love how this joke has now reached commentators being like, oh, did you know that Alyssa Thomas? Like, everyone's kind of in on this now after it's been discussed at nauseum for, like, four years at this point. Um <laughs> Let's talk about all-star snubs, though. I mean, like, honest, again, I don't feel strongly about any of this at this point, but how do you feel about the all-stars in general, just from what we've seen so far? Like, like Diana Taurasi, I know um, there was a lot of talk about her being, I think, like the seventh or eighth guard in this group of players. No, the ninth guard, you know, someone that just hasn't looked great this year's. Um, I'm just curious, like, was there anyone else that you wanted to see in her spot or there's anyone else in this group of what 20 people that you'd think should be kicked out in favor of someone else that you had in mind? This, the suck, the sucky thing is that Suge Sutton has had a much greater impact on that team than Diana Taurasi has this <laughs> year, but she's not putting up all-star numbers. And I, with as much buzz as she's rightly generated, it would be great to have, she's got to do something all-star weekend. Uh, there's a skills competition, right? Like yeah. Shook Sutton. Okay, good. Shook Sutton should be in that. Like, for having been out of the league for three years and then coming back in and being again very necessary bright spot on a really bad Phoenix team. 
she she's got to be part of it at least. She's up near the top in assists per game, and she's a great defender who can still score. She can still score. She's not a fantastic scorer, but she can still score. Watching her go up against Dana that first game of the year was awesome. So I would I think if there's anybody who I could make a rightful argument about getting that spot over DT, it would be her, especially just because they're right next to each other. <laughs> and if you watch Phoenix on a regular basis, you can see who's having a better game and who's having a better season. But outside of that, if if Tich- if Tiffany Mitchell was doing slightly better for Minnesota, then I think that would be a quality argument. But the Lynx are also having a pretty bad season. Yeah. So <laughs> it's hard to argue against the picks that were made. Uh, I guess if you're, unless you're a player, and Sabrina Ionescu was on your list. Yeah, no, like, I think, I think Cordy Vandersloot should be in place of Diana Taurasi, you know? Like, I just don't, it's so weird how Sloot continues to be slept on. Like, she's averaging 8.6 assists this year, you know? I don't think anybody else is even at 6 this year, if I even had, if I had to guess. Like, I'm pulling it up right now, like, I know, again, raw stats. Oh, you know, outside of Alyssa Thomas, um, who's at 8, obviously, but, like, and you know what? I I was I was wrong too. Chelsea Gray and Natasha How or Natasha Cloud are both at six point six and six point one. So I still okay. think that what Courtney William like what Courtney Vandersloot has been able to do this year from a facilitating standpoint, the defense has taken a little bit of a step back. To be fair here, um, I know there's going to be people out there like you never talk and say anything bad about Sloot. I'm like simmer down. Like she hasn't given me too much to give uh, <laughs> her shit about, but like. Um, I still think Courtney is someone that should be an all-star. Um, and again, all of this doesn't really matter. This is all just like, this is all fun for the fans, but Di- I mean, Diana Taurasi-, Taurasi is shooting 36%. All right. From the field, she's averaging over three turnovers a game. on like 5.1 assists. It's like, look, the impact just isn't as great as someone like Courtney Vandersloot, who has been able to unlock New York's offense, which I obviously you have Brianna Stewart, you know, John Quill Jones, Kayla Thornton, this, that, and the other. Obviously, that contributes to it, but she is an important cog to that well-run machine, and I think she deserves the nod there over Diana. But, you know, fans who haven't seen Diana Taurasi before, who are new to the league, that want to see an all-time great before they, you know, when Diana eventually retires at the age of 80, like, I get it. You want to see her play um, in an exhibition like this, but I think Slooty kind of deserves that spot personally but um yeah man i mean uh what other sky players do you think like potentially could be making that all-star push at this point i mean kalia copper is seventh in the guards vote it's so weird right because when we do this positionally i think it can kind of put players in either a better position or a worse position and ka has kind of been the three she should be in a, a front court player but she's also been listed as a guard i've seen people Push, I'd be like, wait, what's going on here with the voting? One day she's a guard, the other day she's a forward. I'm really interested in to see like how that I didn't vote for All Star either media or fan vote. Um, but I mean, I think Cot, I think she's going to be an All Star this year. I, I think I'd be, I wouldn't know if I'd be surprised if she's left off or if it's more just like I, I'm not really surprised by anything with this league anymore. But like, <laughs> I think she's someone that will be an All Star if I had to. 
pinpoint it, but do you do you think think she's on the fringe, or is there anybody else on the sky that you think would even make a push as well? Gosh, the the tough thing with the front court is that it's so loaded, and I think that's part of the reason that Ka got vote got votes as a guard. Um, I'm sure that the sky pushed that because they want to have you you want to have somebody on your team make the All Star team, and it's smart. And I think she's having a quality season, but the front court this year is so loaded with Nafisa Collier coming back, with Elena Della Dunn coming back to form. Um, like we didn't see Ariel Atkins in there. You know, it's pretty telling. We didn't see Cheyenne Parker on that yeah. list. That's somewhat telling. Um, so it'd be hard to get caught in as a forward uh, rather than a guard. Um, and that leads into Alana Smith, who's been having such a really, really, really nice rookie campaign. Uh, she had an outside shot getting in. I think if the Sky had won a couple of those games on that six-game losing streak and kept their record near even, yeah. I I could expect that Alana Smith would have a lot to do with that. And she's turned a lot of heads. But that, that, I think that would be like an outside shot at an all-star team. It's, it goes back to what we were talking about with, with the offense. Elizabeth Williams has missed a lot of bunnies at the rim that would have upped her scoring average. And it's very apparent what she can do on defense along with Alana Smith. So if the offense was clicking a little bit better then a couple of those players, I think get more all-star votes and have a better chance in the front court, even with all these players that we see on the list, you know, Dewana Bonner's at the bottom. And this is the best we've seen Dewana Bonner shoot the three in her career. It would be really difficult to crack that lineup. And Dewana Bonner is playing the best basketball of her career. It's How old is she again? She's like 35? She's like got to be 35, 36 at this point. Like she came in after Candace, and Candace is 37 now. Like, yeah, it's got to be somewhere in that range. I mean, my God, Dewana Bonner, man. So fun to watch this year. And even Nafisa Collier has been really fun to watch, too. Just, I know that. Minnesota is going through it again, and they've looked better as of late, too. To be fair, they've had their moments where, I mean, it was really bad at the beginning of the year. You know, then Diamond Miller gets hurt, and they kind of have to figure things out. But Nafisa Collier, oh my God, she's had some performances where, like, when I, she really, she really makes me think when I get up in the morning and I just watch that one WNBA game that, like, she makes me think, like, fuck, I gotta watch the, what the fucking Nafisa Collier did last night because she's had a couple of those performances but i'm with you i think again we're talking on the fringe here marina has had a nice season too you know she again like she's improved from just like she's i mean i would say that she's kind of a three level score at this point maybe not even necessarily finishing at the rim but like at least generating that rim pressure um drawing defenders in and again getting to the line like she's getting there like i think close to I think she's like close to four attempts at per game, which it would be easily, I think, you know, right there um, at the top of the like top 20 in the league. Um, but like, I really don't see anyone else making it. And um, besides Ka at this point, you know, we obviously watch the sky more than like each local reporter from city to city, you know? So like, I think the more you watch players, the more you probably end up having that bias. So like, and I still think Kalia Copper I think she should be an all-star this year, even though like she's had her ups and downs too and everything. Like I think she's played it well enough. I mean, especially defensively again, like the raw stats aren't going to say it, but like watch, just watch Kalia Copper off the ball. And and you tell me that that person doesn't contribute on the defensive end. Um, So yeah, I think Ka ends up just being the last person there for the sky. Um, And 
but if she doesn't make it, Annie Costable was telling me this the other day that this would be the first time I think in Sky history that they didn't have an all-star in a given year, which would be kind of wild, right? Yeah, no, for sure. Like it's, <laughs> it would be, I was like, that can't be right. And then just going through it year <laughs> to year, I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. This would be the first year that this guy didn't have an all-star. So um, I don't anticipate that. I do think Ka ends up getting through. And also just cause like, think about like the brands, like the branding of it all too. It's just like, I think there's a way in which you want to get an explosive player like Ka to the all-star game. Um, do you have any other all-star game thoughts? Like I know there's been some, a lot of outside drama with it that I personally haven't wanted to delve into too deeply, but I'm curious, I'm going to give you the floor, man. Is there anything that you've seen that, uh, that you want to talk about right now? You know, Las Vegas is hot. Like Las Vegas in July is hot and it's expensive to fly there. And a lot of the tickets are spirit and that doesn't work for like, you're a basketball league and you, and you understand that the main airline that is giving any kind of ticket prices under $200 a spirit tall people can't fly spirit I can't fly spirit like that without spending a hundred extra dollars so feel free to not just give in and move the all-star game around just commit to doing it better that's all I have to say (laughs) My grandparents used to live in Las Vegas and we would visit in the summer. And I'm just being like, how could anyone stand to live out here? Like during the summer, like this is madness. And uh, good luck to all those other, all those people who are going to make that trek. <laughs> you got to pack double the amount of outfits that you are going to bring. You'll be sweating through them. Um, yeah, that's going to be, I, I, I kind of wish they, the, the league would kind of, spread it out a little bit more in terms of where they hold the all-star game. The ACs has put on one of the best shows around the league. And when it comes to in the in-game experience, so I get it. That's from true. Um, that is true. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not going to go to the all-star game this year. Um, we were so lucky to have it in Chicago last year, but um, you know, we'll, you know, Hey, we'll, we'll keep you all posted too, just to see what's happening up leading up to the all-star game. Um, Chris, glad we had a chance to talk and we appreciate everyone who took some time out of their day to listen to the show. If you could take a second to rate, review, and subscribe to it, that would really help us out. And if you want to contact us, you can always do so by emailing our mailbag, which is the skyhook mailbag at gmail.com. One more time, that is the skyhook mailbag at gmail.com. And if you want to find us on social media, you can do so by checking out our link tree which is in the episode description. Thanks for tuning in and until next time.